We got some positive injury news for these Miami Hurricanes, and there's a key advantage I believe the Canes have against the Duke Blue Devils. So are we seeing now light at the end of the tunnel? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. We're going to need all hands on deck this weekend because, guys, the Duke Blue Devils are a pretty good football team. <laughs> a pretty good football team. They've got an excellent quarterback. They're coached very well by Mike Elko. Uh, this is not going to be nearly as easy of a game as we thought it was when we looked at that preseason schedule. I'll say the same thing about Georgia Tech, who you face later. Not nearly as bad as we thought they were going to be. Uh, so we got some good news, some positive news from Mario Cristobal on Monday. I think maybe the worst is over when it comes to Miami's injuries because they were absolutely decimated against Virginia Tech. They were decimated pregame. They lost important players in the game like Will Mallory they still overcame those injuries and they overcame 17 penalties to win that football game uh don't commit 17 penalties this week that's an important key to the game and then another key to the game is yeah keep as many of your important players healthy this week so Mario Cristobal said and I honestly I wasn't expecting this at least not yet this week but I will take it if true there's a chance Jacoby George plays this week Cristobal said it's possible we see Jacoby make his return. We haven't seen George since the Texas A&M game. That's the only game we've seen him in all season. He made some big catches in that football game. So a Hurricanes passing attack that I'm starting to feel pretty, pretty good about, even without Jacoby George, because Colby Young, Frank Ladson, Brashard Smith, and Will Mallory, before he left the game injured, were all making big plays, catching balls, if you can add Jacoby George into that mix, this should be a really, really fun game this coming Saturday, okay? Ja'Kai Clark, Miami's starting center, should be good to go this week. He was nearly good to go last week. I think he was maybe available, like break glass in case of emergency, didn't get in last week. And guys, we miss Ja'Kai Clark a lot because I think a lot of those false start penalties that Miami had were just backup center Jonathan Dennis just being completely out of sync right Ja'Kai Clark makes a big big difference on this football team so fingers crossed he's going to be back this week as far as Will Mallory goes coach sounds really optimistic that Mallory is going to be back in the fold this week you know he talked about him like being in a protocol he used the word protocol I think we just assume it's concussion protocol because I don't know what other sort of protocol there is, but coach wouldn't confirm if it was concussion protocol or something else. But it sounds to me like uh, I don't think Will Mallory actually suffered a head injury. I think there was suspicion of it. I think in, in reality, it was like an upper body, maybe a shoulder thing. So it sounds like Will is doing fine and is going to play this week. Thank goodness, because he's really going to be needed. So, uh, and I think Henry Parrish is going to be back this week as well because he was obviously missed. I mean, Miami's running back rotation has just had really, really poor luck. I mean, preseason with Trevante Citizen and Don Chaney. We'll talk about Chaney in a second. 
And then, you know, with Parrish being banged up during the year and Jalen Knighton not looking like himself at any point, like you've had to use walk-ons like Lucius Stanley and Devon Perry at times because you've been so banged up at running back. Uh, Mario said that this is maybe not great news. At least I took it to be not great news that they are, quote unquote, taking it slow with Zion Nelson. So I don't know when you use a phrase like that, we're taking it slow. That doesn't really make me feel like Zion's going to play this week. Get well soon, because that would be another huge boost to Miami's offensive line. And definitely don't expect to see Justice Olawashan. I think I'm finally pronouncing that correctly, by the way. Don't expect to see Justice this weekend, because Coach did say that his injury is significant and that he's going to miss some time. So get well soon, big man. Coach, actually, he updated the timetable for Xavier Restrepo. And Mario says X, they believe, is two and a half weeks away. If that timetable holds firm, he's recovering from a broken foot. If he really is two and a half weeks away, I think that's going to have him back in time for Florida State. Wouldn't you love to have that Tyler Van Dyke, Restrepo, roommate, psychic connection back on the field against, you know, your biggest rival this year? I would love that. Uh, and Don Chaney, unfortunately, still about four weeks away, coach said. So, you know, I try to do the math in my head on that. If he's about four more weeks away, we may not see Chaney in that running back rotation until maybe the final two, final three games at most of the season. So don't expect him to contribute too much this year. So positive news on the injury front, because, uh, again, the Duke Blue Devils are pretty good. So you're going to need as many hands on deck as possible now. As far as the straw that stirs the drink for the Blue Devils. We remember earlier in the season, what did Miami's defense struggle against? Mobile dual threat quarterbacks. That was a struggle for Miami. They couldn't contain these guys earlier this year. And you're going up against one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in the ACC, if not the country in Riley Leonard. Here's what Cristobal had to say about the Duke signal caller. He said, quote, their quarterback is an exceptional player. I feel that strongly about him. He can make the tight window throws. He can take off with the football when it's not there. He can extend plays. He's very smart. He doesn't make mistakes. Very balanced offense, Cristobal said. And yes, that is something that's going to test Miami this weekend. Riley Leonard is going to be an interesting test. Not only is he top five in the ACC in passing yards, that's not really the story with him. He's also Duke's leading rusher this year. That, to me, is the headline maker. Riley Leonard has got 420 rushing yards this year, five rushing touchdowns, and he averages 6.6 .6 yards per carry. So if you don't contain him, he's going to hurt you, right? You think you've got this guy pressured and sacked. You need to make sure he's not turning a broken play into a 10, 15, 20-yard gain with his legs because he can do that. That's something to challenge Miami early. It's going to challenge them this time around. Uh, Duke has one of the better rushing attacks in the country. They average 200, over 200 rushing yards per game, and it's very balanced because it's not just Leonard. They've got four players, three backs, and a quarterback who have at least 250 rushing yards on the season. Their top running back, Jordan Waters, has six rushing TDs on the year. He averages five yards per carry. Uh, but, folks, the reason why I say Miami does have an advantage on paper with this matchup is, and I think this is the reason why Miami's favored by so much to win this game. I think they're favored by too much, but I think a big reason why Miami is favored to win this game by more than a touchdown is 
Duke's biggest strength, their rushing attack, plays right into one of Miami's biggest strengths, and that's rushing defense. The Hurricanes on the season, they've got a top 13 rushing defense in the entire country. Miami only gives up 96 and a half yards on the ground per game. So I think the hope here would be, uh, and this can only happen if they've fixed their quarterback contain issues, the hope would be, on paper, Miami could be or should be able to turn Duke into a one-dimensional offense. If you can limit their ability to pop big plays and move the football consistently on the ground, and you try to turn them into a passing team, third and longs, they've got to throw the football to beat you, then that can play into Miami's other big strength, which is their pass rush. Because <laughs> we've seen Akeem Mesidor, Walter Camp Defensive Player of the Week, terrorizing quarterbacks had three and a half sacks last week we've seen guy like leonard taylor having a history of terrorizing quarterbacks and stuffing running plays same thing with daryl jackson who's having a phenomenal year jafar i harvey harvey jafar i harvey had a really good day rushing the passer last week and when it comes to quarterback contained this is going to be another big assignment for Corey flag who's no matter what you guys want to say and slander my guy, Corey, he's having a good season so far as flag. So this is going to be another important assignment for him. So uh, I hope I didn't jinx anything, but I will say that Duke's strengths offensively kind of play into Miami's strengths defensively. So I, I think that's why we have some favorable matchups in this game. And we're going to talk a lot more about Duke throughout the year. Um, now you go back to last week's win against Virginia tech, because of course, Miami's passing game on offense is going to have to have a big deal to do with this win if the Hurricanes can get this W because we haven't been able to count on the running game recently. We haven't. It's been the passing game that's been the bell cow for the last couple of weeks. Something that I liked against Virginia Tech was, so in 46 passing attempts for Miami, the Canes only had three drops. Now, some of you might say, even one drop is too many. What do you mean only three drops, guys? In 46 pass attempts, I will take three drops over, you know, the seven drops that Miami had in like half as many pass attempts against Texas A&M. Uh, I will take that. And two of those drops were actually by Frank Ladson, who more than made up with it, made up for it by making two of the biggest catches in that game to move the chain. So I can I can forgive him for two of those drops. So that, that's good news. But the offensive line, which over the last couple of weeks has looked a lot better in pass protection, uh, I think it was just two sacks given up uh, last week. The offensive line has given up. Uh, they, they've looked a lot better in pass pro than they have in run blocking, which is the flip. His first three games of the year, these guys were mauling people, run blocking, and you know the passing game was just stuck in neutral, so it's kind of flipped. We'll explain why that's happening. Plus, guys... We have gotten some uh, some incredible comments from you, the listener. I do want to read some tweets a little bit later on in this episode. Uh, so we'll talk about Miami's running game. We'll talk about the quarterback and wide receiver situation and the big advantages, I hope, big advantages Miami has over the Duke Blue Devils. But guys, from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. I started using Upside two years ago, and folks, it's hard to imagine not using Upside because a simple app free 
you're getting cash back on stuff like groceries and gas that you have to buy anyway. It's just free money in your pocket, guys. It, it, it really is an incredible service. So I started using Upside two years ago. It's so easy to use. And with every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. All you have to do to get started is download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim an offer wherever you're buying on Upside. You check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Yeah. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating in the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use our promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, here's what Mario Cristobal said about Miami's O-line, which has been, they've been struggling to run block over the past few weeks. So the Hurricanes did, they did have over 107 team rushing yards this past weekend, but on 28 carries, not great. Previous two games, I think they had 62 and 42 rushing yards respectively so the running game has uh, just been stuck in quicksand for the last few weeks and personally I think the injuries at running back and at the offensive line have a lot to do with it so Mario said quote we ran the ball well early in the season we've been a little bit dinged up too certainly that factors into it as well as Will Mallory he's been healthy he should be healthy Elijah Arroyo is a big part of the run game as well and we know Arroyo's out for the year he says at running back we just haven't been in sync in the run game that comes a little bit with us um, now the way I look at it guys this O-line was already very thin to start the year Mario and Mirabal, uh, what they were able to establish in Oregon was they always had at least a 10-person offensive line rotation of guys who could essentially were good enough to rotate evenly. Obviously, when you had someone like Panay Sewell, I don't think he was rotating out as much as certain other guys were, but they had really at least a 10-person capable offensive line rotation at all times. You know, Miami entered the season with more like an eight-man rotation, didn't have the depth, and they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, so you really need, in a system like this, you need to have at least 10 playable offensive linemen and rotate them the same way that Miami rotates their D-line. That's what they'd like to have, right? Run blocking for this system, it's very physically taxing. So without a rotation and with some linemen who are prone to making mistakes, it's hard to get the running game rolling. It's also hard to get the running game rolling when you lost two of your top five running backs in the preseason. Uh, you've been without your, you were without your top back against the Hokies and Jalen Knighton, uh, unfortunately just hasn't looked like himself all year. So I think it's right to say that it's partly on the O-line and it's also partly on the backs. Okay. And, you know, I know in the Q and a, we're going to answer a question about Thad Franklin, who, you know, I, kind of played a bigger role over the weekend but not really because he only had four carries but um you know i i do i do still think that that should be used a little bit more and you know, remember when we had larry bluestein on last week he went on a little rant and i loved it about how why do you, you got a 240 pounder why do you keep this guy in the garage why do you keep him in the garage and but like and you go back to the virginia tech game 
Um, you know, you had 107 rushing yards, but the biggest chunk play you had on the running game was uh, Jakari Brown, who went for 19 yards on a third and one. Like he had two carries for 20 yards in the game. Did Jakari picked up a couple of short yardage gains? So, you know, and and I love that package. By the way, I'm so glad that they're getting Jakari on the field and that they figured out a new wrinkle and a new innovative thing to do to pick up short yardage. And I love it. But I'm saying like, you know, 20 of those 107 yards you had were by your, you know, your freshman quarterback on kind of a, a gadget play. So then if you look at what the actual running backs are doing, they've just not been very productive. I mean, no doubt Henry Parrish has been Miami's most productive back, but you're not breaking off chunk plays whatsoever, right? Because that 19-yard game that Jakari Brown picked up on Saturday, which was a really nice run, that's your second longest rush all year. <laughs> That game was your second longest all year. A 20-yarder by Henry Parrish against Southern Miss was the longest running play you've had all season long. You haven't had anything more than 20 yards this year. So I hope at some point in the back nine, because we're halfway through the season, guys. We're at the midway point. I hope at some point in the second half of the season, we start to get that running game going a little bit because they they have struggled to run block. I think, you know, Ja'Kai Clark being back is going to make a difference. And then hopefully Zion Nelson at some point soon comes back and we can actually get this thing rolling. You know, I, I find interesting. Uh, I do want to do some Q&A on this episode. Uh, I'm not going to credit this question to one specific person because I've been, I've been kind of asked this or people have kind of vented to me a number of different people on this. I get messages almost daily from Hurricanes fans stressing about the future of the quarterback position for Miami. Now, I don't want to get myself into trouble here because every time I try to tell you guys how you should feel, like someone get, like I had a comment yesterday, like, I don't like you telling fans how we should feel. If we want to be angry after a win, let us be angry. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you how to feel. Uh, I'm telling you how I feel, okay? I wouldn't stress about the future at quarterback because I have people saying to me, well, hey, now Tyler Van Dyke is playing better, but possibly not well enough to leave early for the draft this year. Jakari Brown is getting some playing time now, so he could be a future starter here. And then you got, you know, Jaden Rashada is verbally committed to come in next year, 2023. He's one of the best high school quarterbacks in the country. You got another solid high school quarterback, Emery Williams, who was a, an elite 11 invite. Uh, he's verbally committed as well. So I think what people are stressing about is they're stressing about what happens with Jake Garcia. I've noticed there's a lot of that going on. So if TVD stays for another year and then you've got Jakari on the roster and Rashada and Williams on the roster next year, does Jake bounce? Does Jake hit the portal? I love Jake Garcia, guys. I do. <laughs> I love Jake and I hope he's able to stay here and get his opportunity. However, I'm not going to stress about having too many quarterbacks. Like if, if you're telling me that's the problem, we have too many quarterbacks. I don't want a guy that I really like to leave. That is the definition of a first world problem. <laughs> there are plenty of teams out there that probably don't have enough quarterbacks and are going to look in, are going to be looking for people to bring in the portal. If you're losing a guy potentially in the portal and it may not even be Jake, it could be anyone, right? If, if someone leaves in the portal, it, it could be Tyler, it could be Jake, it could be Jakari. Who knows? Maybe uh, I don't want this to happen, but maybe one of the uh, the two committed quarterbacks for 2023, maybe one of them decommits. I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, you know, 
Uh, if your problem is too many quarterbacks, I will take that problem over the alternative, which is not having a problem. And also, let's not forget, we do still have six games left. I mean, last year, didn't people define Tyler Van Dyke as a first-round pick based on six games last year? Well, he's got six games left this year, and he's actually already looked really good for the past two. So he might put together an eight-game sample of looking awesome this year. And if that happened, he could still end up being a high draft pick or even a first-round pick. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't peg him in the first round at this moment, but a lot can change over six games. I mean, nobody knew who he was you know, first four or five games into the year. I mean, outside of Miami fans, obviously, but nationally, nobody knew who Tyler was until he put together those six great games last year. So you never know what's going to happen. All right, we're going to open it up to Q&A when we come back. You guys can always tweet us. You can tweet the show at Locked on Canes. And if you follow us on Twitter, we will follow you back. So tweet us at Locked on Canes. We try to get as many questions on some of these shows as we possibly can. Uh, so, ooh, man, guys. I am so excited about this, especially since Miami's actually put some big plays together for the past couple of weeks. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from our Canes weekend game or throughout the history of our alma mater. This week's thrilling moment from the Miami Hurricanes happened in that first quarter opening drive against Virginia Tech. For the second straight week, my friends, we highlight the growing connection between Tyler Van Dyke and I'm going to call him wide receiver one, Colby Young, the six foot five transfer from Lackawanna Junior College, which was the same Juco that Bryant McKinney started at, by the way. But Colby Young had a beautiful one handed grab to move the chains, get the Hurricanes in the red zone on Miami's opening drive. That was on second and 17. Tyler let it fly to Colby Young. He was being covered step-by-step step by Hokies corner Brian Murray, and he still managed, uh, Breon Murray, I think is the way you pronounce that. He still managed to make a big play. So Colby Young, who caught a touchdown later in the game, had that 37-yard grab, provided our thrilling moment of the game. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Those Pathfinders are beautiful. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Uh, so Jimmy asked us on YouTube, why the heck are the Hurricanes favored by eight and a half points in this game? Uh, you know, you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, why Miami was favored by at, at 1.7 and then it ended up being, uh, I think it was about, well, well, now I can't remember against North, I can't remember what they were favored by against North Carolina, but then they were favored by seven points and then nine points against Virginia Tech. They ultimately ended up winning the game by six. Uh, as far as Miami being favored by eight and a half against Duke, I think a lot of it has to do with what I talked about earlier. Uh, you know, Hurricanes being one of the best run-stopping teams in the country uh, with Tyler Van Dyke hitting his groove and playing like an NFL draft prospect again. Uh, I think that's why in Miami back home this week, I think that's why the odds makers are really looking in Miami's direction. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think the Hurricanes will win a close game, but I would not bet minus eight and a half. I would wait for that number to go down. Or, you know, if you really want to bet Miami, maybe you buy points. If I'm going to bet Miami, 
Uh, I don't think I'd be comfortable with anything more than like six and a half. It's probably not going to get that low. So I don't think I'm going to be betting Miami this week, guys. And honestly, why would I? So I don't think there was a point spread at all against Bethune-Cookman, against an FCS team. I don't think there was anything for that one. But you look at the previous five games. The Hurricanes beat Southern Miss but didn't cover. Miami lost and didn't cover against Texas A&M. Obviously, they didn't cover against Middle Tennessee. They were favored by 27. They lost by 14. They didn't cover against North Carolina, and they didn't cover against Virginia Tech. They won the game by six, but depending on what point in the week you got it, it was either seven or minus nine in Miami's favor. So the Hurricanes are 0-5 against the spread this year. So I'm just going to watch the game and enjoy. I'm just going to watch the game and and hope that Miami wins comfortably. I'm not going to be betting on this game. Uh, OT asks us, where is Thad Franklin? Okay, so Thad, he only had four carries last week. He did bust out an 18-yarder on one of them, which is nice. And he did pick up a first down on a third and one. So that means we finally saw Thad getting used in short yardage, which I love. Now, I I can't complain too much about Miami's short yardage last week because I actually, I really loved what they cooked up with Jakari Brown. Uh, So, you know, with Thad, I do want Thad to be used more still. Um, But I also will say that on a couple of Franklin's carries, I didn't really feel like he was running like a 240 pounder like that. I don't need you pretending to be a scat back. I don't need you dancing around. Just drive your body weight forward, please. So maybe some of it's on Franklin. I still think he could and should be used more, but I want to see this guy running like a big back every time he totes the rock. I don't want him thinking too much or dancing too much. We get a question from Kat, who asks us, will the equipment room and coaching staff switch up the uniform combos? You're asking the wrong guy. I I do not pay attention to what Miami's going to wear until the second I see them on the field. But all that I ask is, I'm not picky about uniform combo. Well, I kind of am, because I never, ever want to see them wearing orange on orange, or green on green. The color rush stuff, it looks bad. Like the solid color on solid color, bad. As long as you're wearing orange on white, green on white, white on white, white jersey, orange pants, white jersey, green pants. As long as you stay away from orange on orange and green on green, we're good. <laughs> because they do not look good when they wear green on green or orange on orange. But I, I have no clue. I have no clue if they're going to switch up the combos. They, they do have uh, an alternate... Um, uh, black this year right they do have like a night game jersey so we need to get you know a prime time night game to be able to wear that um I, I got a couple couple of questions and comments that i want to save for tomorrow we got some good ones uh but this one wow th- i don't know if this person was trying to make me depressed or trying to make me hate myself or hate my canes or what we get a comment on youtube from Capulades, if i'm saying that correctly he wrote and he wrote this as a youtube comment uh, after our uh, Virginia Tech game review, right? When we talked about all that went right and all that didn't go right against Virginia Tech. He says, quote, you watched a different game than I did. Are you talking about Miami of Ohio? He said, Miami of Florida is the worst coached, worst disciplined, and least tough team I've seen all year. There is no enjoyment in a game that's played so poorly. There are not 10 players on this team worth keeping. You must be a lot of fun at parties, Capulades. (laughs) 
Terrible. Are, are you like the type of person that you send your order back at the restaurant every time? Like you've never accepted like a, you overcook this. You undercook this. I see a hair in my cream corn. I'm going to send this back. You must be so much fun to hang out with if you're that miserable. Do you even like football? <laughs> Thank you, Cappy ladies. Uh, I, I did want to read another one here on this episode. Um, Ron said, players that are being recruited to UM do not want to play smash mouth football. They want to pass, catch the ball, and score touchdowns. The Tennessee coach has been there one year. He took over an underachieving team and is undefeated and put up 52 points on Alabama. What team in the top 10 plays smash mouth football? Well, first of all, you talk about Josh Heupel in Tennessee. Uh, I, I can't tell if you're, if when you say he's been there one year, you make it sound like it's his first year. It's Josh Heupel's second year in Tennessee. They went seven and six his first year. And honestly, I watched a little Tennessee football last year. Tennessee last season looked a lot like Miami this season. So if anything, shouldn't that give us hope that a coaching staff can dramatically improve a team in year two? Because Heupel's in year two. If this was his first year and they're out there beating Bama and going undefeated through the SEC, I'd be like, damn, that's pretty impressive. It's Heupel's second year. They were bang average his first year, seven and six. So let's give it time. Uh, as far as like in the smash mouth football thing, uh, I don't want to play strictly smash mouth, foot, smash mouth football either. Um, I, I think everyone, including the coaches, they want this offense to be balanced, right? Like, don't expect it ever to be an air raid, full spread under Cristobal. That's just not his DNA. But they want this offense to be balanced. And technically, Miami runs the same type of offense as Georgia. They just don't have the players executing it. Uh, and Lizzie, you've got Tyler Van Dyke quarterbacking your team right now. They're starting to tailor the offense to him, which is great. And, you know, you've got a guy like Jaden Rashada committed for the future. So you don't bring in Lamborghinis like that to just keep them in the garage. And so, yes, we need to do a better job recruiting wide receivers. And I hope we can land another blue chip wide receiver or two in this class. But I would agree. I don't want them just to strictly play smash mouth. Why, why can I not say that term? I'm never going to say that again. I don't want them to strictly play like that with the running game. I want balance, and I think the coaches want balance as well. That'll do it for this episode. Make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen. Uh, the ACC is heating up. I mean, Syracuse, my goodness, what they've been doing out there. I join Candace Cooper every Thursday on Locked on ACC, so make them your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We will talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.